Okay, thank you for, for coming and, uh, and listening. I'm going to talk about the Varieties of Democracy Project. For those who haven't been exposed to it before, it's, um, it's kind of a global research network that uh, is producing hundreds of new indicators of democracy for most countries around the world uh, from 1900 to the present, and now we're, we haven't released it publicly yet, but we have data from about 1789 to the present for 176 countries. Um, so I was asked to talk about what it measures and why, like how we decided what to measure. Um, and I'm going to say we and us a lot in this presentation, so I wanted to make it clear that this is not just my project. I'm one of many people who work on this. I'm one of the four PIs, although there have been five people who have been PIs at various times. Um, and so you can see them there. I have a lot to get through, so I'm not going to dwell on any one slide very long. Um, at any rate, uh, when we began this project, we, we set out to measure a really comprehensive set of concepts. Just Our goal was just insanely ambitious. We wanted to measure everything that anybody ever meant by democracy, basically, so that nobody could say, aha, you, met, you forgot this. Um, so we wanted to look at all of these things, and that's just a partial list. Um, and by the time we were beginning to gather data and seeking funding, we had a conceptual scheme that was basically like this, um, that involved some key decisions about how to group things together and what their relationships were to one another. So one of the key decisions was that electoral democracy is fundamental. It's really central to everything else. Like we didn't want to call a country a democracy unless it had at least some minimal level of electoral democracy. So uh, all the different kinds of democracy require uh, some degree of free and fair elections, clean elections. Um, we had debated creating a separate uh, kind of democracy that would be direct democracy. Uh, but in the end, we decided to lump that into the participatory component of democracy. Um, liberal democracy is something that we consider pretty fundamental. It's not, not included in all versions, all conceptions of democracy. But we conceive of it as basically checks and balances between three branches of government plus constitutional guarantee, effective constitutional guarantees for basic rights and liberties. Uh, we also wanted to include uh, egalitarian democracy. Uh, the notion that uh, people cannot exercise their rights as full citizens unless they have uh, some basic political power uh, derived in part from access to health and education. Um, and just basic human capabilities have to be present before people can enjoy the rights of citizens. Uh, and they have to be re respected by the government. Uh, we also wanted to include deliberate democracy, um, uh, reflecting thoughts by, by Habermas and, and other political philosophers uh, that basically says that governments earn their right to rule by being transparent and engaging in dialogue with the population um, and uh, showing respect for the population and having a lot of back and forth. We also wanted to include uh, uh, Orange Light Park and some other versions of the consensus versus majoritarian visions of democracy. Not so much uh, because we thought that one was more democratic than the other, but there were different styles of being democratic. At least Light Park argued that, and we basically assumed that that was true. Um, we also wanted to include, I mean, we also wanted to include some concepts that are kind of on the margins of any definition of democracy, like rule of law. Um, 
you know, I think rule of law is really a different concept, but you have to have some degree of rule of law in order for democratic processes to work correctly. So we wanted to cast a wider net uh, and include that to the extent that it was relevant. Um, we had some debate about whether to include majoritarian versus consensus democracy, because in a way, these were these were different from the other the other like exterior circles here, because majoritarian and consensus democracy, rather than being um, independent characteristics of types of democracy, they were like two poles of a continuum that belong to all democracies. And so we had a little trouble wrapping our minds around how we could think about that, but we decided, okay, we'll figure out later what we're gonna do with this, but we'll try to measure these things too. Um, and then we also wanted to include some other things that are somewhat relevant concepts, but even though they might not fit into this conceptual scheme in a, in a hierarchical way. So we thought corruption is relevant. We thought sovereignty is relevant. And there was a lot of debate about that within the project about sovereignty. But in the end, we thought, well, we do want to make distinctions between sovereign countries and colonies and some degrees of, of, of that. Um, but it's not something that, uh, I mean, it's something that we could, we could measure separately. And then if people want to discount democracy, if it's not a sovereign country, it's, if it's not a country with self-government, then, um, then they can do that. So we can provide those indicators. And by the way, that's one of the, one of the principles of this, is that we provide a lot of data. And we suggest some ways of aggregating the data into some indices that measure these uh, very general concepts, but if you don't like those indices, uh, you can create your own. You can combine the variables in a lot of different ways to measure whatever it is you mean by democracy. Um, uh, party system institutionalization is relevant for a lot of people, and we have an index of that. Another one is civil society strength, accountability, division of powers like federal unitary uh, distinction, um, and women's political empowerment. All those things can be measured with, with our data. Um, later, we decided to drop the majoritarian versus consensus distinction about democracy. And, and for several years, we were just not sure what to do with this. Uh, but in, uh, in the last couple of years, uh, we made a serious effort to try to create these indices. Um, in the end, We've concluded, and I think there's consensus about this within the project, that at least Leipart's conception of consensus versus majoritarian democracy doesn't work. Like, it doesn't correspond to patterns that actually exist out in the world. Uh, there, there are clear differences between federal and unitary systems, between two-party systems and multi-party systems. There are all those things that do exist, but they don't necessarily go together in, in, uh, in, a, in a coherent way. Um, so we'd rather focus on more specific variants of, of democracy. So the way we think about it is that um, there's electoral democracy, and then it overlaps with these other four components. So there's, for example, an egalitarian component of democracy that's not necessarily democratic. So for example, on our egalitarian component, Cuba rates pretty high. Um, but to the extent that it overlaps with electoral democracy, we can measure egalitarian democracy. 
And the same thing, there's a component of liberalism, compo a component of deliberation, component of, of participation, and the overlaps between each of those things in electoral democracy is the way that we conceive of liberal democracy, egalitarian democracy, participatory democracy, and deliberative democracy. Um, and, uh, and in that sense, I also want to say that I completely agree with what Daniel was saying in the first panel, that there is no way that there will ever be consensus in the world about one single vision of democracy. And so we just kind of punt that question and say, uh, there are many varieties of democracy, and you can choose which measure you want to measure the thing that you, you care about, or that's most relevant for the theories that you're using. So in order to measure these things, we first had to define them more carefully. Uh, and the process of defining them was basically a matter of defining the components of each concept, and then often the subcomponents of those components, and often sub-subcomponents, sometimes down to seven or eight levels of disaggregation. Um, in the process of doing that, we had to be guided by certain principles, like where do you stop with this, and how, how do you do a good job of it? Uh, so in the first place, we wanted to reflect the most authoritative scholarship about each of these areas, because there's a lot of specialization in political science about studying things. So we expanded our team to include people who are very knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about different arenas of democracy. So we had different people who know the literature on legislatures, on the executive, on parties, on elections, on civil liberties, on civil society, on political equality, on uh, uh, symbolic representation on just a whole, ver on the judiciary, whole variety of things. Uh, and so we got them to work with us to write the definitions for these concepts and to write, um, write questions for a survey of experts with the options that would best reflect that. We also wanted to define the concepts in a way so that they would travel to all different regions of the world and also to other periods in history. Um, and that's kind of kind of a challenge, but we didn't want to be like too narrowly culture bound. Um, and so as we were recruiting, ex uh, recruiting project managers who knew different literatures, we also tried to include in that group people who specialized in different regions of the world. So we have on our team, for example, Stefan Lindbergh, who's uh, really an expert in African elections, especially uh, several of us look at Latin America, Jeff Staten and David Altman and I. Um, various people look at Western Europe, uh, Stefan Lindbergh, um, who else? I'm sure that there are some. Uh, uh, Alan Hicken studies Asia, especially Southeast Asia. Uh, so we, and several people, uh, Kelly McMahon and Steve Fish, uh, look at uh, Russia and the post-Soviet countries. So we're, we're covering most of the world and everybody had to read all of these definitions and say, this is not gonna work in Afghanistan or something like that. Um, so we had a long period of discussion, a period of like two years of like dis deciding how to measure these things. Then we also realized that this is not a project that could be done by a cluster of experts cluster uh, in some wealthy white Western country sitting in their ivory towers and passing judgment on the rest of the world. We need to go out and find people who really knew these countries and their political history very, very well. Um, and so we kind of extended our network to eventually about 3,000 people around the world in almost every country in the world who we recruited to fill out online surveys. 
um, to answer, and we wanted to get multiple people to answer each question. So we ended up with, uh, on average, a little more than five people answering every question for every country year, uh, for every country, well, for every country year. Um, and uh, we um, wanted to ask them about things that they could tell us pretty confidently whenever possible. Um, so we wanted to tap most of the useful existing knowledge that was out there and kind of code it into some standardized format. But we also wanted to go a bit beyond what people could confidently rate because there, some things are important, like someone was pointing out we uh, in the first panel, we, we, it's important to measure things even if, um, even if they're hard to measure. Uh, so for example, corruption. You know, uh, we produce measures of how corrupt uh, the Gold Coast was before it became independent, became Ghana. Um, and you know, who really knows what's going on there? Uh, but we wanted to try to measure that, and we said, okay, we'll try to measure it, and then we'll see how well it works. And if it doesn't work really well, we won't publish it, but we wanted to try it. And actually, it seems to work as well as any other indicator of corruption, and, and better than most, I think. Uh, a fourth point is that, of course, we were constrained by resources. We could only do what we could afford to do. Uh, and I could say more about uh, fundraising and the organization project later if you want, but I, I want to get into it now. And uh, finally, the really important principle is disaggregation and then reaggregation. As in order to measure these things, we wanted to break down the concepts into very specific concepts that could be rated well, and then after we had those, we would try to re-aggregate them, combine them into measures of the more general concepts that more people are interested in. So why disaggregate? First, first was there was a practical need for program-level indicators. Uh, USAID and other agencies, uh, when they're evaluating whether their democracy promotion programs work, uh, can't just use Freedom House or Polity because they're just really general and they don't tell you whether a program to improve the in independence of the ju judiciary is having an, in an impact. So we needed to measure certain things like that to make it useful to that set of users. Um, also political scientists and sociologists and economic economists often need to uh, study more specific things in order to like pin down the causal mechanisms about why there's a connection between uh, per capita GDP and democracy, or what's the why democracy might have an impact on growth or peace or war or whatever. So we needed to measure very specific things. We didn't want to miss anything. Also, we didn't want to assume that all these that any pair of attributes of democracy go together. We instead wanted to demonstrate it. So the only way to really to do that is to measure these things separately and then analyze whether they really go together or not. So, for example, there is or was a common belief in Washington that free markets go together with freedom of association. So free markets, free societies, it's kind of a slogan for a while. Um, but do they really go together? Really not so much, now that we've measured it and looked at it. They, there's some correlation, but it's not that tight. But freedom of speech and freedom from torture, yes, those really do go together. They're very tightly correlated. And so basically we're focusing on useful concepts, ones where there is a single dimension concept and there's also a single dimensional relationship empirically. And this identifies potentially distinct dimensions of democracy. 
Also, another reason is that uh, this is kind of based on survey research. Uh, we wanted to ask the experts to answer questions that were not double-barreled questions. So, for example, uh, if you ask people, are courts independent and respected? Well, some people are going to respond more to the independent part of the question. Some people are going to respond more to the respected part of the question, and then you get unreliable answers to that. So it's better to ask us one question about how independent the courts are and another question about how much other actors comply with judicial decisions. And so if you ask separate questions, you're more likely to get reliable measurement for that. And a final reason is that uh, this is kind of a one-way process. If you disaggregate first, then you can also always re-aggregate to create measures of more general concepts. But if you start out measuring very general concepts, there's no way to disaggregate that and get um, more specific measures out of it. So this part, I'm gonna, I'm, I apologize, I'm going to have to go through it very quickly because um, there are hundreds of indicators, and I don't have time to describe all of them. Our code book is more than 400 pages long. So I'll just give you an idea of the overall structure of the conceptual scheme. Uh, so anyway, varieties of democracy, we have these four different types, plus electoral democracy. And electoral democracy is one of the two components of each one of these major types of democracy. If you spread out electoral democracy, it's got six subcomponents. Alternative sources of information, clean elections, have an elected executive, freedom of association, freedom of expression, and the suffrage. All are components of electoral democracy. And then all of those break out, except for suffrage, um, into other levels. Uh, so these are like the sub-subcomponents of uh, electoral democracy. And so each one of these things is a question in our survey, it's an indicator, uh, and some of them break down even further, like freedom of discussion we measure separately for men and for women. Um, anyway, I can say more about any of that if anybody wants it later. But anyway, all of these indicators are used to measure electoral democracy, which is combined with the other components to measure different varieties of democracy. So the liberal component has three subcomponents, equality before the law and individual liberty, uh, which is um, constitutional guarantees of basic rights, um, judicial constraints on the executive, and legislative constraints on the executive. And each of those has their own indicators. Um, the participatory component is composed of civil society participation, CSOs, or civil society organizations, uh, a direct popular vote index, which like, if I fully expanded that, there would be no way you could read it on the slide because it's got like 74 indicators in it. Um, then there's local government and regional government that uh, look at whether there are elected uh, actors and bodies at each of those levels and what their, relative, what their power is relative to unelected actors at that level. Then there's, okay, uh, anyway, structure for deliberative democracy, a structure for egalitarian democracy that looks at both equal distribution of resources and equal protection. Um, and then there's another uh, another set of choices that we made that are really crucial. Uh, so basically, when, when you have multiple indicators that are strongly correlated, they can be combined into an index that measures more general concept without losing too much information. Uh, and there are statistical techniques that we can do for doing that. But when you have multiple indicators that are not strongly correlated, then if you just produce a weighted average from them, you're throwing out a lot of use information that might be potentially useful. 
However, sometimes there's some theoretical guidance that tells you how to combine them. And you do this in other fields, like when you calculate velocity, or if you calculate per capita GDP, or area of circles or squares or triangles or whatever, or even like the body mass index combines height and weight. Uh, there's theoretical guidance about some kind of mathematical formula that produces a measure of a two or three dimensional concept that's actually useful. Uh, for, and liberal democracy is one of those kind of two dimensional concepts. There are things that don't go together so strongly that you need some way to combine them if you're going to measure this complex concept. After a long deliberation, I think it was about a year and a half of arguing and debating among our team, constant emails and many drafts of reports and proposals, and um, we, we finally settled on, uh, and I won't say finally, we provisionally settled on uh, a formula that we use, and we may eventually change that as well. It basically takes polyarchy, which is our measure of electoral democracy, it's our electoral democracy index. Um, we take that and combine it with the liberal component. Half of this index comes from an, an, uh, a weighted average of polyarchy in the liberal component, and half of it comes from multiplying these two things. And that's because the, an additive formula implies that these two things can substitute for each other. That is, if you have a certain amount of freedom of expression, association, then it doesn't matter as much whether um, whether there are checks and balances on the executive. You know, like Liechtenstein, when there was a prince who really did rule the country but was unelected. Uh, it didn't, maybe didn't matter so much because people could speak their minds about whatever and they could form their clubs and associations and et cetera. Uh, so those things might compensate for each other. But at the same time, it's also true that elections make more of a difference when there's real competition in society. If there are multiple parties, if people are free to form whatever associations and speak their minds on things. Without that, elections don't mean as much. So there's an interaction between the things as, to, as well. So we take both of these things into account. We have this weird exponent uh, that's just used for scaling, and we use that. And then for all the other, the other three uh, kinds of democracy, we use the similar formula. Now what this does, this is an example with egalitarian democracy index. Here, this is the egalitarian component, and you probably can't read this. This is polyarchy, so this is more polyarchy, less polyarchy, more egalitarianism, less egalitarianism. And so, and this vertical dimension is the, the, the result of combining them with this kind of formula. And so you get countries that are high on both of these uh, dimensions, like France, United Kingdom, Switzerland, lesser extent, United States, Taiwan, Chile, Germany, Brazil, etc. They're all near the top. But you get some countries that are pretty high in egalitarianism, but low on electoral democracy, like Cuba. So it, it ends up being fairly low as a result of this formula. Uh, and then you have other countries that are higher on polyarchy, well, just kind of middling on polyarchy, but much lower in egalitarian component, like Paraguay, Guatemala, Haiti, uh, that, that rank a lot lower. So it's a way of combining things that, that, that does that. Uh, and to end, I'll say, um, one thing I've learned about this process is that there's no perfect formula for combining uh, measures of different dimensions. Uh, everything is going to be controversial. And because some information is sacrificed in the process of doing that. And so my personal recommendation, this is not an official VDEM recommendation, but although it's shared with several people in the project, uh, is that our meso-level indices are really the most useful ones that we've got. 
Um, I, you know, I think, for example, the, the liberal component index is a really useful tool, and you know, for some purposes, it's better even to disaggregate that into uh, legislative constraints on the executive and judicial constraints on the executive and protections for basic liberties. <coughs> Those things uh, work pretty well. So basically, the, the more you disaggregate, the more precise the information is. But on the other hand, aggregating from the lowest level allows you to get a richer kind of index that takes more things into account. And the meso level is where those two things kind of come together. And you get kind of rich indicators that don't sacrifice a whole lot of information. Uh, there's a lot more that I could talk about, but we don't have time, so I will stop there.